0: Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives.
1: Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today we're going to take a look at a very interesting and a very important program in the UN system called Education Cannot Wait. My guest today is an expert on this topic. Ms. Yasmina Sharif is the director of the Education Cannot Wait program. Yasmina Sharif, welcome to today's Global Connections program.
0: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be back again.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's been way too long since we've talked about your very important program. Let's just start off with a little bit of a logistical situation or uh, organizational, I should say. Now, you're hosted by the United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF. But what is what is the full name of your program and what is this relationship?
0: Thank you very much, Bill. Well, um, let me give you the background to this. Um, The UN Special Envoy for Global Education, the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Gordon Brown, led an advocacy campaign with member states, civil society, UN agencies uh, years ago, saying that education is underfunded in situations of conflict, crisis, emergencies. It's often put uh, as the least priority when you have a crisis or a protracted crisis. So he led that campaign. And at the World Humanitarian Summit in 2016, uh, he, together with the United Nations member states, civil society, uh, and UN agencies, established the the, uh, Education Cannot Wait. And we became operational in 2017. We are hosted by UNICEF, but we are, and our right name is the United Nations Global Fund, Fund, we run many programs or invest in, Fund for Education in Emergencies and protracted Crisis. We serve the whole UN system. We work very closely with civil society and host governments. And we are there for every child and youth uh, together with our colleagues in the UN and civil society and host governments, whose education has been disrupted because of armed conflict, climate-induced disasters as refugees.
1: And our viewers can go to your website at www.educationcannotwait.org. Now, Yasmina, on I guess just recently, on uh, t- well, the 21st of June, uh, the Education Cannot Wait released a, really a shocking global estimate study, which revealed that there are now 222 million crisis affected children and adolescents in need of urgent educational support which is a significant increase from the estimated 75 million children in 2016. What, what are some of the causes of this dramatic increase and uh, where, where are these increases taking place?
0: Thank you. Um, first of all, uh, we have used a very, um, uh, I would say scrupulous methodology to reach this number. Um, and disaggregated data and absolutely top-notch research uh, that exists globally and had the report validated by UN agencies and NGOs who are part of an expert group or reference group on education emergencies. So uh, there has been a different methodology and validation of the number. But what are the causes for such drastic growth? Well, one is that we have armed conflicts that continuously are protracted. Uh, And we include all children and youth who are in in armed conflicts. And just recently we have uh, Ukraine, we also see escalation of existing protracted conflicts. So we are not reducing wars. uh, There are more of them today. Second, uh, we are today facing historically the highest record number of forcibly displaced in the world, and that entails refugees. We have not seen such flow of refugees since World War II, and internally displaced within the the borders of a country. Three, there, of course, COVID-19 as a pandemic had a huge impact, especially on children in uh, um, already very conflict or crisis affected countries. So that has also increased the number significantly. And climate induced disasters. They are growing by the year. And as a result, there is forcibly forced displacement and also destruction of societies, including their schools and ability to access education. And then the financing of this. If financing was law for education in emergencies and crisis even before, the financing has not grown in in a proportionally right, you have more financing for education, but not in proportion to the the, the exponentially fast growing number of children and youth affected. So the financing has not kept up to pace with the disasters and the crisis and the number of children and youth uh, falling, furthest uh, behind, not accessing the quality of education.
1: And very frightening also. It, it really, though, it points out that the United Nations agencies, so many of them are on the ground, even in dealing with these crises, such as horrible conflict in Ukraine, in Syria, in other parts of the world. Areas that have been afflicted by, as you mentioned, climate change. And we're going to see more and more of that in the future. Climate change is going to be, really forcing people out of their homelands by by hundreds of thousands or millions in the not too distant future if, if we continue on the same trajectory. But could you highlight a couple of the initiatives that the Education Cannot Wait program has taken to address this horrific situation and to help these children to get a proper education?
0: First, let me say, well, let me first give you the examples and then um, add a few other achievements so far. Um, We have invested, and the way we operate is that we have taken the the secretary General's Antonio Guterres' reform program and uh, uh, our uh, common agenda, which focuses on working together through joint programs, And that's become our modus operandi, Uh, whether we do an emergency response or a multi-year humanitarian development investment over a period of three to four years. We have made such investments in around 43 crisis, conflict, refugee, climate-induced disasters affected countries around the globe. Uh, From Colombia, Ecuador and Peru, to Afghanistan, to the Rohingyas in Bangladesh, to South, um, South Sudan, uh, Sudan, across the Sahel and Sub Saharan Africa, Syria, Lebanon, across the Middle East. These are the most affected countries. In Uganda, uh, there was during the hostilities a, a few years ago in uh, southern Sudan, 1.3 million refugees arrived in Uganda. And of those, 50% were school-age children and youth. And we work together with the High Commissioner for Refugees, the UN Refugee Agency, UNICEF, um, uh, US, um, the uh, UK, and many other organizations on the ground, uh, Save the Children, uh, Norwegian Refugee Council, and so forth, and created uh, the very first refugee education response plan that caters both to the refugee children from Uganda and the host communities uh, hosting them and that's been a huge success. The Minister of Education of Uganda considers it as one of the most the biggest success stories in how we provide education in emergencies and protracted crisis to refugees and that continues as of to this day. In uh, the refugee camps in um, in Cox's Bazar in, uh, in Bangladesh when we had the entire influx of of refugees in 2017, of Rohingyas fleeing uh, Myanmar, um, and they had nothing on arrival. Um, We worked with the different UN agencies and civil society and with the permission of course of the government of Bangladesh and set up non-formal education in the camps because sadly and wrongly, They are not attending public schools, um, the Rohingyas, in Bangladesh, and the conditions are not conducive for their return to Myanmar. So in the meantime, you still have to have non-formal education, not to fall behind, and that is also another, I think, very strong program. I would say that across the board, as our annual report, which is about to release uh, next month, shows, uh, we will have reached... um, Um, By then, when the report is released, I would say, in in a month or six weeks, I think we reached about 8 million, or maybe even more, 9 million children and youth with a holistic, child-centered, full-quality education uh, through our humanitarian development investments. Uh, We reached, I think, close to between 30 to 40 million children just in the COVID-19 response. And we are able to do so because we uh, rely heavily on the United Nations coordination mechanism, the cluster system and UNHR's coordination role for refugees, strong cooperation from our partners and everyone benefits. The fund we provide, we invest the funding, we, we work together to make sure there is quality. But this is not enough. You speak about 222 million. It's a It's a drop in the ocean. We need to reach the entire ocean. And for that, we need governments, member states of the United Nations and private sector to come in. We need billions and billions to reach 222 million children and youth. And if we don't do this, it will come back and haunt us. It will destroy 222 million dreams.
1: It certainly will. And it's so important to do that. And it's something that we're going to be talking about in just a minute as to how people can get involved. But uh, You mentioned a minute ago the UNHCR, UN uh, Refugee Agency. And when I think back 15, 20 years ago, they were assisting like 10 million refugees. This year, I just read they're assisting over 100 million refugees, mm-hmm. which is just such a dramatic increase and of course, these are all in dangerous areas of the world. And we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We would invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS our community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you just have a computer. You like our shows and you would like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today we're taking a look at a very interesting educational program that's working to assist well over 222 million children, and that is the Education Cannot Wait program. My guest today is Ms. Yasmina Sharif, who is the director of the Education Cannot Wait program. Yasmina, we, we were talking about funding and getting involved, and you're you're going to have a major high-level financing conference taking place on February 16th and 17th of 2023, and it's uh, I think it's a titled 222 million dreams. A global campaign what exactly is that why is it important and how can people participate
0: well the high level financing conference is hosted by the government of Swiss Switzerland and education cannot way together here in Geneva uh, and in February as you rightly said and it's co-convened by the government of Germany uh, and the government of Norway and uh, the government of um, South Sudan, and Niger, and it brings together um, government, ODA governments, governments who who provide funding, and private sector and foundations. And the minimum uh, goal or target for that conference is $1.5 billion. And uh, But again, that will help us reach an additional 10 million children and youth. We would need even more funding than that. So I'm hoping... So uh, we will need more, even more funding than that. Uh, and, um, but it is, it's, it's an effort. We have already mobilized 1.1 million dollars. And, uh, but it is not enough. It's not enough. If you think in, in, in Europe, and that's where I know where the donor or always is, um, they, they spend about 10 to $12,000 a year for a child to go to school. So if we say that only half of that, 55000 dollars $4,000, or even $300 a year for every child amongst the 222 million, they're still speaking about billions and billions. What can you do as an audience? You can lobby politically, your governments um, and your um, development um, departments, uh, your uh, prime ministers, your presidents, uh, to contribute to education Cannot wait. We have very strong support uh, uh, amongst all our partners across the system because we, we are working collectively to deliver results. The UN Secretary General, the Deputy Secretary General, uh, they're all standing very strongly behind us, and if I make vote, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who stated yesterday, we need governments, businesses, foundations, and individuals to support the vital work of Education Cannot Wait. Help us place education within reach of every child everywhere. Help us keep 22 million dreams alive. So lobbying political support for financial investments in Education Cannot Wait's global fund and then we will invest this in joint programs by our UN and Swiss society partners in these countries to deliver quality education to children and youth together with communities and host governments.
1: And again, our viewers can go to your website to get more information at www educationcannotwait.org. You're you're operating in some very dangerous areas of the world. You're operating in some tragic areas. I'm sure you hear so many sad stories every day as to how families have been disrupted, how they were forced out, whatever the case might be. What is it uh, that inspires you? Are you inspired by the children, by their parents, by the partners you have? What, What is it that motivates you to really feel that we're going to move forward in combating this problem?
0: Well, first of all, I'm a a human rights lawyer by training. So for me to realize human rights is what inspires my entire life (laughs) and all my life. And education sits at the heart of all human rights and at the heart of all sustainable development goals. If you really want to make sure that there's no gender equality in this world, make sure that girls don't get an education because that's how you shop off their arms. You, you make them absolutely disempowered. If you don't want to end extreme poverty, well, do not educate the next generation because if they don't have an education, they cannot Again a livelihood, uh, there will be no businesses thriving, there'll be no market economy. It's not gonna happen because no one can do it. Uh, if you want to make sure that wars continue, don't educate the next generation, keep them ignorant. Education is the key that unlocks all human rights. It unlocks all sustainable development goals and eventually stability, peace, and justice. It is at the heart of all that we want to achieve. So I feel so passionately, excuse me, so passionately that if we all could shift our priority towards education of those left furthest behind, we can change the world. And let me say this, what inspires me. When I go there to the border of Somalia and meet, young adolescent girls in in Ethiopia who are internally displaced or refugees. And I see them stand up and speak with a resilience and a strength saying, I want to be educated. I want to go out and make a difference in my community, in my country, in the world, where I meet a Venezuelan refugee child in Colombia. And she says, my dream is to be a lawyer. Why do you want to be a lawyer? I want to fight for people's rights. Or I meet another refugee sitting in Lebanon, as a Syrian refugee, and she says, I want to be a nurse or a doctor. Or another refugee or displaced says, I want to be a teacher. And I say, why? I want to help others to become strong. I want to help people who are suffering. Because they have suffered so much, they have developed an enormous empathy resilience the school of life for them and now the formal schooling put that together and you have a new generation of 222 million children and youth that can finally turn the tide and make the world a better place and fix all the problems the generations before us have created they are the ones that will change the world
1: and we need assistance we certainly do especially well, so many areas, but climate change comes to mind automatically. Well, I was thinking back when we were talking about this, and of course, we're, you're talking about providing educational opportunities, and, and I was thinking of the uh, 17 Sustainable Development Goals that were adopted by the UN General Assembly in 2015, and they run from 2016 to 2030. And of course, they're to eradicate poverty, to eliminate hunger, to provide quality education, I would imagine, how do you factor in those other 16? Obviously, one directly impacts you, but they all do indirectly. How do you factor them in as you're planning your activities and reaching out to extend an opportunity to help children learn?
0: Well, it's important because all the sustainable development goals are interrelated. You know, everything in life is interrelated. You know, Leonardo da Vinci once said, you know, Learn to connect the dots, to see the whole, the whole picture of things, uh, paraphrasing now. But it's about connecting dots. And, and that's what I, I stress, that if we unlock education, then we can ensure that the other goals are being achieved. Now, this does not mean that you focus exclusively on education per se. Education is so much bigger. Education entails health. When a child or a youth in the Sahel goes to school, there'll be a school nurse. There will be nutritious meals, school feeding. Uh, there will be um, mental and psychosocial services. So you see the link to combating extreme poverty or hunger, to the link to health. And then if you if you make an effort like we do at Education Cannot Wait have at least 60% of girls in all our investment, you're also taking affirmative action to address gender inequalities. And of course, it also entails the curriculum and removing barriers for girls. They are all interrelated. And an education that is funded well, and that's where resources are required, will provide the, 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 the proficiency, learning outcomes in literacy, in math, social emotional learning, psychosocial services, school feeding, um, um, art, um, protection, so that you don't get caught into armed militia groups or terror groups, uh, or you don't get, become exposed to trafficking or early child marriages or unwanted pregnancies. So it entails so many dimensions, The, the formal learning, the psychosocial support and mental health, because many or most of them are traumatized. The protection from, from all the, the, the dangers around them uh, and, and gives them an end the school feeding and so forth. So and then you work in partnerships, which is a very important sustainable development goal, which we do through what we call the new way of working. We have a joint program. Maybe there are, UNICEF is there, World Food Programme, Refugee Agency, Save the Children, Plan International, uh, maybe two or three or four or five national um, civil society. They are one program looking at all aspects, working together, that's partnership. Um, So you can't uh, realize education without always including holistic approach with all cross-sectoral, all other sustainable development goals. But you cannot realize other sustainable development goals if you don't have education at the same time.
1: That is a perfect way to wrap it up because they are all interrelated, extremely important. And I know funding is a major problem. In the last 10 seconds we have, what is another major problem that you'll be confronting?
0: May, may, but it is the financing. The financing is that for us as a global fund, <clears throat> but for us all at large, if there were no armed conflicts, if we manage climate change and reduced the emissions and all that is causing um, our Mother Earth to deteriorate, and if we show more humanity, and if we show that ultimate reason for being here is that our will to exercise humanity rather than our will to power and greed, that's probably the biggest challenge, but even that is possible. But for now, education cannot wait. It's focusing on education. And it is important, though, because as part of the curriculum, peace, stability, justice, the UN charter, peace building must be central to what we teach the young generation.
1: They are also very important. Yasmeen Sharif, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program.
0: Thank you very much, Phil. It's lovely to see you again. Thank you.
1: Good to see you. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.